coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. It is Wednesday, sunny die day here in uh, General Assemblyville, known as Atlanta, the capital city of the state of Georgia. And uh, we have until midnight to get legislation passed before it can even arrive on the governor's desk. And so, uh, while, of course, we are in uh, pre-record mode uh, today, well, and every day, we, by the way, do this show pre-recorded. It airs 5 to 6 p.m. weekdays on the American One Radio app. However, we pre-record because we just don't have that live broadcast mechanism set up yet. I got to be honest with you, though. There are some days that, like, I'm slinging these segments up as the show is on the air. Like, segment one could be rolling, and I'm finishing up segment two and popping it on and getting to segment three and popping it on as segment two is wrapped. I mean, it's, sometimes it's very touch and go. Just let you a little behind the curtain there. Um, later on the show, we have uh, Ari Drennan from Media Matters for America to join us. She is a trans female as well and uh, covers the LGBTQ plus community and how the predictable right-wing media faces, names, channels, and publications report on LGBTQ plus goings-on. It's important to have her on, what with all the anti-trans legislation that has passed not just in Georgia, but throughout the country. Uh, we can talk a little bit about how Nebraska managed to avoid that. One legislator, one legislator filibustering the entire session. Good for her. Uh, it doesn't quite work that way in every state. Every state has different rules and policies, but, uh, you know, good on her. So we'll talk with Ari Drennan about that. Obviously, there's much to discuss uh, with regards to the Nashville Presbyterian school shooting. Audrey Hale, the shooter, born female, recently identified as he, him. However, to our knowledge, no transitioning taking place, gender-affirming care whatsoever. Anyway, Ari uh, Drennan will join us from Media Matters for America to help us clear up some of the misconceptions about that story as they have been unfolding. For example, uh, I want to play just this quick little clip. I feel like I'm spoiling uh, her segment already, but uh, I want to play this one little clip that uh, shows you how Tucker Carlson is uh, echoing how the NRA... And uh, white conservatives used to feel about black gun ownership. Now that uh, an alleged trans person has been involved in a school shooting, there's some concern about trans people owning guns and violent rhetoric, I guess. The world is dangerous, explained one trans gun owner. You have to be dangerous back. Now, I'm sorry. Tell me why that is so concerning, Tucker, when that's literally the mantra of the gun-owning... NRA-loving right-wing. World's dangerous. Got to have guns to fend off the danger. Sorry, why is it different when a trans person says it, Tuckums? It's funny. Uh, you know, after a mass shooting, in particular a school shooting, we always run to our predictable sides when it comes to the gun argument. And I, I was involved in this one little Facebook dialogue where uh, someone wanted to bring up Chicago. Look at the violence in Chicago. Never mind the fact that in a vacuum, yeah, that looks really bad. Chicago with its, you know, sturdy gun laws. Chicago is not a moat city. It is not an impenetrable, walled up, you know, mandatory checkpoint in and out kind of, you know, commune or anything like that. It's also surrounded by gun-friendly states like Indiana and, uh, well, even rural Illinois, Iowa, not that far. 
Uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, Mississippi. Not that far drive from Chicago. More than half the guns seized in Chicago crimes come from outside Chicago, Illinois. Outside Illinois. Um, anyway, I was just involved in this one conversation, and and uh, you know, I, I pointed out that, well, just what I told you, and um, talked about how it, it's funny how the right, you know, wants to tell us that you know more laws aren't going to work, and yet they enact more laws when it comes to reproductive choice or more laws when it comes to gender affirming care. <laughs> it, it's just ironic how more laws don't work, but here are some more laws about which bathroom a person can or can't utilize. What, what, um, what my friend David said, his last line just kind of resonates with me. We can tell a lot about people's values based on what policies they support or oppose. Whew. I mean, that's deep. He's right. We can tell a lot about a society based on policies they are for or against. So what is it saying about our society? I keep seeing that image of the clearly distraught, beside themselves, child in the school bus, freaking out, just bawling, hand printed on the window, just inconsolable. I'm sure you've seen it too. In fact, I shared it on our Facebook page earlier today at the Ron Show. That image just haunts me. Days later, it haunts me. It's, it just breaks my heart that this is more a reality for kids than exposure to a drag queen will ever be. There are no drag queen lockdown drills and no teacher trainings on how to minimize damage to an unexpected active drag queen sighting on a campus. And then we spend $800 billion on national defense because, well, Lockheed Martin and Raytheon and Northrop Grumman have to meet their earnings goals. <laughs> Did you think it was about our heightened military threats? Please. And are actively defunding public education. It's happening right now under the gold dome. Under the guise of school vouchers. We've long been underfunding the FBI and the ATF that exist to protect American citizens from domestic terror. And terrorist access to weapons of mass slaughter. Which sort of makes that $800 look like a foolish expenditure, doesn't it? We can't protect ourselves from within. (laughs) And think somehow we'll do better protecting ourselves from foreign incursions. Y'all, I got news for you. Vlad Putin, uh, Chinese President Xi, their predecessors, have already penetrated our borders, sowing seeds of division that have taken root generations ago and continue to uh, bear fruit now. They aim their efforts at our weaknesses, arrogance, racism, greed, xenophobia, homophobia, pinning their wedges inside those cracks and striking them with subtle mallets, breaking them open creating larger rifts to destabilize the ground we stand on. And it's working. Look at that child's face. That's the face of an American child's reality. A 24-year-old may not know what Columbine means, but a 16-year-old knows Sandy Hook, Parkland, Uvalde. Anyone younger now has active shooter drills. Parents who consider bulletproof backpacks and a shrinking pool of teachers willing to risk their lives to be poorly paid, only to be subjugated by a movement that also wants to hyper-scrutinize what they're teaching kids. Oh yeah, and dodging bullets from nuts with access to AR-15s. That child is the face of the modern American kid. And I want gun-loving right-wing blowhards to tell that kid, sorry honey, nothing we can do, because the Second Amendment is clear. 
I mean, not that it is, and not that that's a reassuring thought anyway, but here we are. That is the face that I want everyone not only to see, but I want Republicans, gun enthusiasts, NRA leadership to be permanently tied to that face of a child in complete terror inside a school bus, completely blown away by what they've seen in their safe little school, which isn't so safe. Much the way the pro-war movement during the Vietnam War was tied to the photo of Napalm Girl. Her name, by the way, Phan Thi Kung Phuc. That's what we have to do. We have to tie these folks to their policies and the repercussions of their policies. And I, trust me, I feel a little oogie about saying, make use of this child's image. But if not that particular child, I don't know, caricaturize another, draw another one. It's, it's just a haunting visual. It's a haunting photo. And the generation that came up as children of Sandy Hook, children of Parkland, they're increasingly growing in number of registered voters. And at some point in time, we're going to hit a tipping point. And here's the thing. The folks who have these sort of weapons of mass slaughter, okay, fine. Say we don't come for your guns. We're not coming for your guns. Say we don't. Okay, cool. You keep your gun. You act responsibly with it. You don't sell it irresponsibly. All I know is an Audrey Hale can't walk into, I keep doing this, a Gander Mountain or a Bass Pro Shops or whatever gun store she went into to buy the two assault weapons she bought before going to that Presbyterian school in Nashville earlier this week. See? Gun enthusiasts get to keep their guns even after an assault weapons ban if we're able to enact one at some point in time. And Audrey Hale can't purchase her semi-automatic weapon. Oh, Ron, that's 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 against the Second Amendment. Mm, we had an assault weapons ban that passed legal muster for 10 years. And by the way, gun fatalities went down sharply. Mass shootings went down sharply. But also... We, we keep talking about the Second Amendment as if it's just sacrosanct. It is. Absolutely it is. But we keep leaving off the term, a well-regulated militia, being necessary. Dot, dot, dot. You want an AR-15? Okay, cool. You have to be well-regulated. Yes, you have to be well-regulated. This is common sense stuff. This isn't against the mainstream. This is what the majority of America believes. There are those on the right at the state level who have fought regulations requiring gun retailers to safely store their guns. Why? That's infringing on no one's right, except 
for someone breaking into a gun retailer to steal those guns. That's common sense stuff. That should be federal law. A gun retailer has to safely store their guns. They sell gun cabinets, they sell gun lockers, and they sell the guns. So, show us how those lockers work. I know, you're tuning in, you're like, I thought this was about Atlanta and about Georgia. I mean, it is. We, we are affected as well. Atlanta, of course, is a major city, and gun crimes happen in Atlanta as well. We, again, are a lot like Chicago. We're not a moat city. We don't have impenetrable walls, mandatory checkpoints in and out. And we are awash in guns in the state of Georgia. In fact, permitless carry. Who needs a permit, right? It's kind of hard for law enforcement to do their jobs in such an environment. And they're telling us that. All right, Ari Drennan from Media Matters for America joins us after the break. This is the Ron Show on the America One Radio app, americanradio.com. Broadcasting five days a week to make common sense common again. This is the Ron Show on America One Radio. And Ari, is it Ari or Ari? How do I pronounce this? Let me make sure I do it right. It's Ari. Ari Drennan joins us from Media Matters for America. Ari, thanks for joining me. I am a, a big fan of yours. Follow you on Twitter and uh your beat essentially is to cover LGBTQ plus goings on for Media Matters for America to kind of keep your eye on what uh, some of the more hostile right wing media is doing to uh, disparage and mischaracterize not just uh, the LGBTQ plus community, but politicians and movements that support them. Did I get that right? You did that right. Yeah, I have the the fun job of listening to what the right wing media is saying about LGBTQ people, especially trans people. And, you know, I also follow those conversations in the mainstream media because a lot of times they're also kind of based on um, misunderstandings or misinformation. So we just track what's going on throughout the media. So real quick, I'm going to play a quick little clip that kind of... uh gives a little bit of your backstory uh, and, and how you've been battling with uh, the likes of uh, scum like Matt Walsh. Hang tight. We're going to hear that. So Matt Walsh saw that I had posted a clip where he and three other Daily Wire hosts had a good laugh about their inability to do laundry. Uh, it's kind of a trick question because I, I hate them both equally. So I, but I guess I would say I would rather do the dishes, but I'd prefer if she just did both of the things. And he seemed to think that I was very mad about this instead of regarding it as a kind of humorous illustration of the learned helplessness that patriarchy promotes in its adherents. Then he responded by claiming that I would never have a loving, healthy relationship, which I think is an odd sort of projection. And it would be strange on its own, but it isn't even the first time that Matt Walsh has made that kind of attack on me. He previously asserted, for some reason, that I have no friends. Um, I do. It's the kind of thing he does a lot, actually, posting attacks on me and Dylan Mulvaney and Aaron Reed and Faye Johnstone. I'm actually pretty sure that I have trans friends who spend less time talking about trans women than Matt Walsh does. But Walsh went even further this time, and he retweeted a photo of me from before I transitioned, along with the old name I used to go by. I don't know how this is supposed to be some kind of own. I make no secret of who I am, who I used to be, I'm not interested in hiding my past. If you are not happy with your name and your appearance, you can just change them. You don't even have to be trans to do that. And perhaps his point was to claim that I will always look on some level like I did then. And certainly that was something I felt quite anxious about before I transitioned. But here's the truth. 
I have not been misgendered by a stranger outside of the internet since before the pandemic started. Either I blend in just fine, or everyone is really nice about me being trans, and it doesn't really matter which of those is the truth. I am the pilot of my own life. People like Matt will always be there to throw stones from the sidelines, and I'm here to show you how they'll clatter off your wings. All right, so that gives us a little bit of your background. You uh, you are a trans female yourself, and so not only is this uh, uh, a passionate beat for you, but a lot of what's going on politically and then with the Nashville shooting hits close to home, doesn't it? Yeah, I think there's just a lot of misunderstandings out there. A lot of people still do not know trans people in their personal life. We're a very small portion of the population. And so there's just a lot of fear and anger right now. Yeah. We've seen a lot of uh, anti-trans legislation. The most recent here in Georgia, of course, outlawing gender-affirming care for the under-18 set. And we hear crazy hyperbolic terms like genital mutilation uh, and, and torture and things of that nature. Speak from a personal point of view on these measures, if you can. Absolutely. Um, There's just so much misinformation about what gender-affirming care encompasses, especially for trans minors. So the idea that um, somebody is saying that they're trans or, you know, a version I've heard of this in the right-wing media is someone will say like, well, you know, a kid says that they like a Barbie and then all of a sudden they're rushed in for, um, you know, having their genitals changed. And that is simply not happening, right? Like that, that is a bizarre hyperbolic fantasy that does not reflect the real world. Um, Usually when uh, younger people say that they're trans, there's a sort of process that happens with their parents and medical professionals for, you know, assessing um, if they're serious about that, if they're persistent about that, and and what kinds of changes that might entail. Mm -hmm. So, um, for the kinds of people who will be mostly affected by by Georgia's ban on gender affirming care, um, if it is not struck down by the courts, as many of these have been, mm-hmm. is teenagers who are um, taking puberty blockers to sort of press a pause button on on the process there, while they have more time to figure this out with mental health professionals. And I should note there that this is that's less than five thousand teenagers in the entire country, right? Like this is just wow. not a huge widespread problem like you might have heard in right-wing media spaces that it is. Um, Some teenagers who are assessed and and are sure that they're trans go on to receive hormone therapy. Um, But again, the idea that people are just being rushed into surgeries is just not what is happening. Mm -hmm. I was going to mention the fact that uh, we had a case here in Georgia. Uh, In fact, a a mother testified uh, to the House subcommittee uh, on public safety about this, or public health, I'm sorry, uh, about the fact that her daughter is on puberty blockers, but now will have to wait, she's 11, will have to wait seven years to even advance beyond that and the sort of medical calamity and, and psychological damage that that causes someone who is you know, going through such a transition to, you know, move on to like hormone therapy, let alone even talking about anything surgical. Uh, and lawmakers weren't even aware that folks who, you know, like that, like that 11 year old girl 
are, are already in process won't be grandfathered in. They were completely unaware that their own what their own law does and says. Yeah, a lot of these laws seem to be very rushed and not done in consultation with medical professionals. Oh, of course not. It's really important to note that every single major medical association supports gender-affirming care. This is safe, it's studied, it's based on evidence, and a lot of these bans are, are not being put forward based on evidence. They're being put forward on cherry-picked testimonies from a, a couple people who have traveled all around the country to oppose these things or just kind of religious sentiments that um, I do not believe have a place coming between families and their doctors. Of course not. We're on with Ari Drennan from Media Matters for America. She covers LGBTQ plus uh, affairs for Media Matters. We're back with her in just a second. By the way, Ari is a fantastic follow on Twitter. You can follow her at A-R-I-D-R-E-N-N-E-N. You can also follow the Ron Show at Ron Show A-T-L. We're back with Ari Drennan from Media Matters for America after this on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com. Follow The Ron Show on Twitter at Ron Show ATL. The Ron Show on America One Radio. We're back with Ari Drennan joining us from Media Matters for America. Uh, Ari, not only do you cover LGBTQ plus uh, affairs and, and right-wing media coverage, but you are also uh, a, a trans person. And so you, you bring some, some personal uh, application to your beat I want to ask you what the last few days have been like in the throes of the Nashville shooting. And there's, there's still some gray area as to whether uh, Audrey uh, Haley, born female, recently identified as male, what sort of application we, 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 we bring Audrey to here. But it has brought out the anti-trans rhetoric nonetheless, has it not? Yeah, it's... It's been really horrifying to watch for a lot of reasons. Um, I am a survivor of school sh- of a school shooting. Oh, wow. I'm a, actually a cross-country teammate of mine when I was in high school. Um, he ended up only taking his own life, which is a tragedy, but also, you know, escaped further harm to, to me and my classmates. And so my heart just absolutely breaks for the children of this school, yeah. for their families. I think... That needs to come first and foremost. We have a huge problem in this country with school shootings, and we need to be talking about serious ways to make children safer in schools. I find it interesting that right-wing media has latched on to the uh, Nashville shooters potentially being trans a lot more, for example, than the fact that uh, Audrey was highly functioning autistic, for example. Why, Why is there more conversation about Audrey potentially being trans than functioning autistic. Has that come up in any conversation for you as well? I mean, I think it's important to not sort of rush to get personal information out there about the shooter. Mm -hmm. We simply don't know why this person committed this crime. What we do know is that the shooter was able to purchase um, seven weapons legally and hide them in, in their bedroom at home. And then, come into a school with two assault rifles and a pistol. And, you know, it just seems very clear to me that this is not somebody who should have been able to purchase assault weapons, especially, you know, a a person whose family members were saying that they did not trust this person to own firearms. But now we're, we're, we're starting to hear talk from the right 
and, and I know you've covered some of this, you've shared some of this, uh, questioning whether or not trans people would should should be deemed mentally competent to possess a firearm. Is that not interesting to you that all of a sudden now we want to we want to tinker around with where the line is about who can possess, you know, what kind of guns? Yeah, I mean, I think there's so much more that we could do about background checks, about, you know, screening for whether people have been involved in domestic violence incidents. Those are the things that we know make people more predisposed to committing gun violence. And it's just very hypocritical to see, you know, members of the right-wing media going out there and suddenly finding a reason that somebody's Second Amendment rights should be infringed when they have refused to act after school shooting after school shooting. It, to me, it also reminds me of an era in American history. And by the way, we're on with uh, Ari, Drennan, Ari Drennan from Media Matters for America. We're talking uh, a good bit about the aftermath of the Nashville shooting and the anti-trans rhetoric coming from the right. Uh, to me, this this talk also is evocative of the civil rights era when uh, white conservatists then and the National Rifle Association uh, were none too none too pleased with the idea of just any black person owning a gun. It's just to me, it's it's interesting now that they want to cherry pick who does and doesn't have the right to possess. Yeah, it's very notable to see them finally talking about this shooting when this is a problem that's been going on for a very long time. And I'll, I'll note um, that it's just very dangerous to villainize an entire community based on the actions of, of a lone psychopath. So, you know, we saw a lot of this in the post 9-11 era mm-hmm. where, um, you know, where Random uh, Muslim people were getting attacked or getting getting vilified by the right wing media ecosystem um, just because of the actions of of other violent people. And that's just something that we should really, really be cautious about engaging in as a society. I'll take it a step further. I I noticed this, uh, I noted this on my show yesterday that, uh, uh, you know, regional radio host Eric Erickson had talked about. Yeah. You know, the the what about game. You know, what what aboutism if this were a Christian? And, my my first thought is how how does he know that Audrey Hale wasn't a Christian? Uh, also, why do we presume that this is a trans versus Christian scenario? As if trans people can't be Christian themselves, it, 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 the false dichotomy was just kind of I don't know repugnant. Right. I mean, once again, there's been a large pattern of school shootings in the United States, and it's you know. It, like this incident happened at a Christian school. Mm. There have been other incidents that have happened at synagogues. There have been other incidents that have happened in other communities. And um, so to only focus on what happened here and who was involved is missing the broader, very dangerous pattern, which is that you know gun violence is the number one killer of, mm. of young people in America right now. And that's something that we need to take seriously. Well, I don't think this... Uh, is done on accident. I think anything that can be done to change the conversation, the attention America has from the issue of guns to, well, maybe we have a trans problem. Maybe we have a militant yeah. trans problem. You know, that, that's been a lot of the rhetoric coming from the right uh, of late. And, and, um, and you know, again, this is your job. So you tell me, what, what are you seeing and hearing from the Fox News? Is it the Tucker Carlson's, the Matt Walsh's and the Daily Wire's? Yeah, it's been really disturbing. Um, So yesterday on Fox News primetime, uh, Tucker Carlson said that um, trans people were the mirror image of Christians and that uh, trans people were, you know, targeting Christians for violence. Um, 
Fox News host Laura Ingraham picked up that narrative and then used it to argue against, um, you know, the existence of, of gender affirming care for young people. It's important to remember that the shooter was 28 years old, right? right? Like this is not somebody who went to like a, a teen gender clinic. This is not what happened here at all, but they're just so focused on scapegoating people. Um, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia uh, said yesterday before many of the details were even out on the shooting that we didn't, she, she tweeted blaming this on testosterone and saying literally that we could forget about the guns now. There's no evidence that the shooter was taking testosterone. And, you know, if testosterone were at fault for mass shootings, like we should be talking about the testosterone levels of every man in the United States, but we're not because that's ridiculous. This is a problem of easy access to assault weapons. And we need to do something about that. It's worth pointing out, by the way, that even Twitter has uh, banned Marjorie Taylor Greene's account for seven days based on a lot of the crap she's been spewing since the Nashville shooting. Yeah, it's it's interesting to learn that Elon Musk has some limits there. Well, I don't know that Elon does, but the vice president <laughs> at Twitter does. I mean, she's been working her other account to get Elon's attention to address this, but we'll see how that yeah. plays out, you know. Uh, yeah. So take me back to the Colorado Springs shooting. Uh, that was an LGBTQ plus bar. Uh, and then uh, almost a day or so after that took place, we learned that the defense, uh, the defense attorney assigned to uh, that shooter tried to elicit that the shooter uh, was, uh, you know, questioning his or her gender as well. Did, did that, how did, how did that strike you? Um, I mean, what we do know about the shooter in Colorado Springs is that he had a, a history of um, participating in far-right spaces online, in neo-Nazi forums, he had a history of using anti-gay language on the internet, um, anti-gay slurs, mm -hmm. and he'd been arrested just one year earlier um, for a bomb threat against his own family members. So yeah. obviously this was a deeply disturbed individual. Um, something that has really complicated the, the story on these incidents is that um, in kind of out there spaces online like 4chan, where it seems like the shooter had spent a lot of time there's this idea of trolling, um, you know, normal people by adopting, um, you know, like they, them pronouns or right. whatever to try to muddy the waters about these narratives. But, you know, when you have a shooter who is engaged in neo-Nazi spaces, who is targeting LGBTQ people, I don't think we really need to overthink what is happening there. Right. Yeah. I mean, my, my initial reaction to that was, okay, I call BS. Uh, also, you, you spoke of the bomb threat and there was video of uh, that gunman in the, in the bomb threat, literally yelling at the cops, come and get your boy, not, not come and yeah. get, not come and get they, them come and <laughs> come and get your boy, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think that we have a problem with, um, you know, young men who are being radicalized on the internet and who don't have a view of the future and who engage in these kind of nihilistic acts of terror that are so dangerous. 
Well, I want to thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time to talk about uh, you know these issues. I, I've, you know what, I, I would like to bring up the fact that we, we do have a, a we do have a lone hero. If if she's the only one, we have a lone legislative hero in Nebraska who, bless her heart, has been filibustering to keep uh, a gender affirming care ban, uh, you know, off off the books in Nebraska. And, and folks here in Georgia have been wondering, well, why couldn't we have done that? Obviously, state to state legislation you know, moves at a different pace and there are different, yeah. uh, you know, uh, laws and, and procedures in place, but, uh, she's, she's quite something. Yeah. Um, every poll shows that the majority of Americans do not think that the proper job of a state legislature is telling doctors and families what they're allowed to do with their health care. It's just not what the legislature is good at. Um, and so I think it's been great to see people like Senator Kavanaugh standing up against that and saying, you know, we need to focus on on doing our jobs. Um, there are so many real problems facing America right now. And, um, and another recent poll showed that 51 percent of people say that their top priority in education is preventing gun violence. Mm. Only 30% of people said that a top priority for them was preventing um, children from being exposed to, quote-unquote, woke schools. <laughs> so legislators legislators are just not responding to the actual priorities of the voters who elected them. And I think they're going to end up hearing about that come Election Day. You know, I, I'm a bit more cynical than you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to hear you're <laughs> optimistic that there'll be some blowback. I'm just, I, I'm cynical. I think it's so early in this two and four year cycle that I think by the time, you know, ballots, uh, you know, come out again, folks will have forgotten this. Uh, you and I both know that the trans community is such a small percentage that yeah. they're, they're, you know, it, it's, it's going to be incumbent upon the LGBTQ plus community to keep amplifying voices uh, so that it's fresh in the minds of voters uh, when we do go to the ballot again. I'm, I'm just, I'm a bit more cynical about blowback. And I mean, obviously between gerrymandering and uh, yeah. you know, the, the, the Senate makeup being what it is and uh, you know, as rural as uh, biased as that, I just, I don't know. I'm just a bit more cynical uh, than, than, than you are. I, I hope, I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're right. Yeah. I mean, so much of my experience as a trans person shows me that normal people just do not care about this, right? Like normal people are not going on the internet and posting rants about Dylan Mulvaney. Like yeah. they don't, they don't know who that is. Um, I, I just do not believe that voters are particularly moved by this issue. And I think that they would rather see legislators spend time on things that affect their personal lives. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. But I also think that politicians are aware that they can get this legislation through uh, as often as possible and not face any blowback or repercussions because it just doesn't affect that many people, unfortunately. Yeah, we'll right. see. We will. Ari Drennan, Media Matters for America. Thank you so much for the time. I appreciate the call. Thank you for having me. All right. After the break, I rarely share social media influencer babble, but this lady nails it next. Hey, don't just listen to The Ron Show. Support The Ron Show. If you and your business would like to have your advertising done on this show, you know, it's pretty easy. You can drop me an email, ron at ronshowetl.com. You can also call me anytime you like, 404-919-2725. You can also just be a listener if you don't have a business. I mean, that would be most of you, right? Follow us on your preferred podcast platform by following any of the links we've got provided for you there on the podcast tab at ronshowatl.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, links there for you as well.
All right, welcome back to the Ron Show. This is our final segment for Wednesday. I have watched as dudes older than me try to grapple with what the TikTok even is. <laughs> and I don't use it all that often, mostly because I've listened to these 60, 70, 80 deceptigenarians and older argue about whether or not they're going to ban TikTok and I, I, I kind of get, I guess, a little bit of the security implications, but personally, I, I don't care. China knows where I am. I'm, what are you going to do to me? What is that data going to? I, I don't understand. It's beyond my pay grade. I'm sure there is some national security implications to China, China, knowing where I am at all hours, but I, I don't use TikTok all that often. Nonetheless, every once in a while, you'll see something from TikTok that you go, huh, I want to go find this person. So, uh, I saw this Instagram reel that came from a TikTok that I actually went to the TikTok account and can't find the video of, but it the the, the video really made a ton of sense anyway, and I, I wanted to play it for you. Uh, Nicole Benham is the founder and CEO uh, at Beyond the Interview. She has been featured in the Hollywood Reporter, the LA Business Journal, uh, uh, the Jewish Journal, the Huffington Post, uh, a whole lot of other... Uh, she graduated from the Annenberg School of Journalism at the University of Southern California as a public relations major. She, uh, I, again, I just saw this on Instagram. I thought, let me share this story because this is exactly how I feel. As a 49-year-old man who grew up, well, you know what, let me just play this for you first. Notice how everybody in Italy doesn't have a therapist like everybody in the United States does, or every grocery store in Italy isn't filled with aisles of supplements, probiotics, prebiotics, collagen powders, green powder, and how on the corner of every single major city there isn't a fitness place like CrossFit, yoga, bar, cycling. Our culture in the United States pretty much takes out everything that should be naturally happening in daily life. It takes it out because of our lifestyle and puts it on the side and offers it as a service, a package, a product, something that you can pay for that also requires additional time. So we used to live in communities. We had big families. We used to talk to people every day, all day. Hunter-gatherers that sat around a fire or people in Italy that sit for an hour and have a, an espresso. Now we don't do any of that. We also don't have time for it. We filter everything through a therapy. Our food is so toxic in the United States that in order to feel good, we have to take probiotics, prebiotics, minerals, vitamins. Then we have to go to the gym and rigorously work out so that we don't become inflamed and fat. Whereas other cultures have healthy food to begin with, other cultures include things like walking in their daily activities. So it's no wonder that in order to live a healthy lifestyle in the United States, you basically need to wake up at 4 a.m. so you can fit in your workout, fit in a meditation, and probably a motivational podcast or affirmation so you can just survive the day. And then a therapist on your lunch break or after work because we're no longer having meaningful relationships. The math is not mathing. No wonder everybody is exhausted. But businesses are thriving. Okay, let's start with the obvious. First of all, uh, Nicole, thank you for this. Uh, I mean, you were spitting some reality here, but no, I, I can't ever notice how anything in Italy is anything because I can't afford to go to Italy. <laughs> I don't have the, the money, the time. Just, I'm 49 years old. I, I spent 28 years in a career that ate up about 50 to 60 hours of my week and uh, you know, underpaid me comparable to uh, my, my talents and ratings and hitting all these goals, et cetera, and so on. So, <clears throat> no, I can't tell you squat about Italy. So I have to start by pointing out to the influencer, ma'am, we don't, we don't all live that lifestyle. And, and that in and of itself is another portrait of America that is an uncomfortable truth. Uh, it's easy for celebrities 
uh, or influencers, celebrity, but celebrities and influencers to tell us how we need to live, how we need to diet, how we need to exercise. Oh, you should meditate. and Oh, you should talk to a therapist. A lot of Americans don't have that time, don't have the currency to afford those uh, lavish, <laughs> they shouldn't be, but are lavish uh, self-necessities. Outside of that, I'm totally feeling what she's saying, though. Listen, I don't know where we went wrong as a society in our country, but our food deprives us of needs uh, that a supplement and healthcare and fitness industry have sprung up to take the place of, costing us more out-of-pocket in the process before we even get to the mental wellness we seek and pay more for, and leads us precious little free time after chasing down enough money to afford it all. The French, by the way, are going apoplectic about their government raising their retirement age to 62. 62! Those are the four-day work week folks, and they're upset because their retirement's going up to 62. I, I'm not saying they're not wrong. I'm, I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm not going to... They, they're absolutely right. But here we are like, God, can I just make it to 65? Anyway, the French are telling us they don't want to become us. Can you blame them? My theory is if life is meant to be lived, well, why aren't we? Okay, uh, March is Women's History Month. Let's go to some impactful women uh, from March 29th. Frances Bolton, who created an endowment to build a school of nursing at Western Reserve and help remove color lines in nursing, was born today in 1885. Later, as an Ohio congresswoman, she worked for racial equality and equal pay. Frances Bolton, born on this day. Pearl Bailey, a jazz and blues singer, born in 1918 after appearing in vaudeville. She made her Broadway debut in St. Louis Woman and later won a Tony Award for the title role in the all-black production of Hello, Dolly! in 1968. What do you say we go out on a little Pearl Bailey along with uh, Ella Fitzgerald and Sarah Vaughn? Anyway, Vaughn Show's back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m., American One Radio app, AmericanOneRadio.com, and all your major podcast platforms. We'll see you tomorrow. Back tomorrow, the bus is blue. One night's back. We've got some vintage truths to share. One we can fondle with a flare. We shine twos at all the